Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends, as we continue to walk the journeys of this life. Walt and I are glad you choose to spend some time with us. We may not even ever meet face-to-face on this earth. However, in Christ, we will spend eternity with you in heaven, praising God's name together. Well, before this particular season of Walk with God began, we started mapping out people in the Bible, and we were excited to prepare each week's lesson for you. And this is what we've discovered. There are many lessons for us to learn and wisdom to glean from the lives of the people on the pages of Scripture, some good examples and some mistakes that provide valuable guidelines and warnings for us to observe and to follow. And so we see this is true in the life of Joseph. He His life has provided powerful examples for us. The early years of his life were spent with 10 older, jealous brothers and a father who loved Joseph more than his other children. Last week, Joseph was sold by his older brothers, and he was taken down to Egypt. So let's pick up this week in Genesis chapter 39. Now, Joseph had been brought to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. And you know, Brenda, even as we were talking about this, this story of Joseph reads like a play with a number of acts. And act one is Joseph with his jealous brothers and just that interplay of what happens there. But now we're in act two. Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. And, and the contrast of his brother's jealousy and hatred And Potiphar's trust in Joseph, it's profound. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And I just love that. And, you know, that whole idea, you know, it says here, Joseph was a successful man. That's in the text in verse 2. He is 17 years old. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's in that culture, he's considered a man, but he's a young man by our standards, and yet God is blessing him. And when we look at this, Potiphar puts him in charge of all the things concerning his house and fields. Now, we don't know how long Joseph was in Potiphar's house, but it was long enough for him to come to realize, this guy's got it. This guy has some special blessing from God, or 
in his view, God's. And um, But Joseph is going to line up his life with the Lord, and the Lord's going to bless him. Well, then the scene changes as, as we continue. Um, it talks about Joseph's appearance. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But Joseph refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in this house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. And as you just said, Brenda, remember, this is a 17-year-old Joseph. He's a slave in a foreign country with pagan customs. Um, His master does not believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and as the story takes this shift, it's very interesting because it's like Joseph succeeds and then something happens, and he and he falls back. Well, as we continue, um, we're not done with Potiphar's wife. One day, he, Joseph went into the house to do his work. None of the men were in the house, and, and she catches him by his garment. She says, lie with me. Now, this isn't the first time she's tried to have sex with Joseph, but this time she gets hold of him. She gets hold of his garment. And he left the garment in her hand and fled out of the house. And when this is told... Um, she becomes angry, and she blames Joseph and said, hey, he tried to rape me, and in, in essence is what he's saying. And she gets her husband all stirred up by saying, you brought this Hebrew among us to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out in a loud voice, because that would be required. And yet no one heard her. And, and so as soon as the this occurs, the master comes in and says, okay, we're going to have to take care of this guy. Um, And Joseph's response to sexual temptation was immediate. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to consult anyone. He didn't have to run down and look into the, the pages of the Bible. He knew what was right and what was wrong. And so he ran. He didn't linger around. Well, maybe, no, he took to flight and this head to heart, as we, we talk about this, what's my response when faced with temptation in my life? Remember, he's only 17. How do I respond to lies others have told about me? That's what Potiphar's wife does. She lies, and she inflames Potiphar's anger. Well, when that happens, do I blame others? Or do I sit down and have a pity party for myself? And to be real honest, Brenda, there's times I do blame others, and there's times I do want to have a pity party. And the sad news is no one wants to come to my pity party. They just <laughs> right. don't enjoy it. Yeah. But, but at the same time, um, am I trusting in God and that he would be my advocate? He would be my ultimate judge. And so Joseph cries out to God, and he trusted him for 13 long years. He was 17 when all of this began. He's going to be 30 when he finally gets to Pharaoh's courts. Yeah, and his time of trial and hardship is not yet complete. And so he has to make a decision. So as soon as he heard this, he's sent off to prison. Potiphar sends him to prison. Yes, Joseph continues to live life in Egypt, but now he finds himself not in the house of Potiphar, not as a trusted servant, but in prison after being falsely accused by Potiphar's unfaithful wife. And this is the beginning of Act 3 in Joseph's journey. 
The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Do you see a repeated theme here that came from Potiphar's house that's now occurring in prison? Sure, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord blessed Joseph's work of his hand. I love it. And I, I keep going back to how was Joseph brought up? How did Rachel train him as a young boy, as a young child? He had that core belief in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and like you said just earlier, Walt, he knew what was right and wrong, and he was walking in it. But even more so, God was with him, the sovereign God. God was watching over him, and the Lord made everything that his hand touched, it would succeed. God was allowing good things to happen. But remember, remember, good things are happening in Joseph's life, but he's still in in prison. So when I'm in a difficult situation in life, am I aware of God's gifts to me? This is my head to heart. You know, things will be hard. There will be dark valleys. We will face sickness. We will face difficulties in our jobs, in relationships, in all of life. But do I notice the good things he's placing in my daily life? These are there. They're put in place to encourage me and to remind me, to remind you that he sees us and he knows every detail of our life. He is sovereign. Well, while Joseph is in prison, the plot thickens yet a little more. And so we move into Genesis chapter 40. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he puts them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. So we don't know the length of time that Joseph is in Pharaoh's house and the length of time that he's in prison, but we do know age 17 to age 30. So we're looking at those 13 years. And these two individuals, they were had to be highly trusted. There was a cupbearer, and he would drink whatever uh, whatever was going to go to Pharaoh. And, and if there was poison in it, he would die. And he's protecting Pharaoh's life. Same thing with a baker. If he puts the wrong kind of poison in, Pharaoh can die. And, and Pharaoh has started to not trust these two guys. Yeah, something's happened. Yep. And so they get there, they're in custody for some time. They've had interaction with Joseph. Joseph's had conversations with them, we're sure. But on the same night, these two men each have a different dream. And just summarizing what happens, the cupbearer comes to Joseph and he says, in my dream, there was a vine and there were three branches and it budded and it blossomed and the cluster clusters ripened into grapes. Well, sort of makes sense, right? He's the cupbearer. He's got the Pharaoh's cup in his hand. And he took the grapes and pressed them and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph gives the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you'll place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cup bearer. And very important in verse 14 here in chapter 40, only remember me when it is well with you 
And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Get me out of the pit. Get me out of prison. Well, the chief baker hears the good news, the good interpretation of that dream, and jumps in. I think it's going to be good news for me, too. That's what he thought. Yeah, he's like, I also had a dream. And there were three cake baskets on my head. Again, applicable, he's the baker. And then the uppermost, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket. And Joseph gave the interpretation, three baskets for three days, In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh. Well, three days later, it was Pharaoh's birthday, and both dreams were fulfilled just as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet the chief cupbearer, he did not remember Joseph. No, he forgot him. And I think of this, well, we often say this when when we're teaching um, passages in God's word. We say it when we're in Caesarea in Israel. Sometimes God puts his choice servants on a shelf. And, and that's right. And that's what it seems like is happening to Joseph. He, he succeeds and then he, he stumbles back. He succeeds and then someone attacks him. And, and it seems like... It could seem like God has forgotten Joseph, but he hasn't. He hasn't. But now Joseph has to wait two more years after giving the interpretation of the dreams. And two years later, the cupbearer remembers about this young Hebrew man because Pharaoh is upset because he's having dreams and no one can tell him the interpretation. And this begins Acts 4. Joseph appears in Pharaoh's court. And this will really bleed into next week's time because now he's in Pharaoh's court. Now he has an opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And it's interesting as they get him ready to court, this really makes cultural sense. They, they clean him up, they shave him, they change his clothes, and he comes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gives this dream. And in dreams, it involves two main aspects. The, the one is seven cows, plump and attractive, and seven other cows, poor and very ugly and very thin. Um, but in the midst of this, Joseph has an opportunity to say, well, I, I understand everything about every dream. And instead, he says, understanding this dream, it is not in me. Only God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And so we have the seven plump cows and then the seven ugly thin cows. And then we have seven growing ears of, of corn, and, and they're full of good, and seven withered ones and blighted. And so with that, we have these two pictures of seven years, seven years. And with that, Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. Both dreams you, you've been given are the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. And the dreams are for the seven years. And and with that, the, the lean cows are the same one. There's seven years and seven years, the healthy cows. As it is told to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. And then he gives a, a clear explanation. There, there's going to come seven years of plenty throughout the whole land of Egypt. But then after then will come seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. So, so you need to prepare for this. 
This is going to happen. And just even by saying both dreams, um, it emphasizes the, the, that this will happen and it's going to happen pretty immediately. And, and with this, God will determine these seven years and, and he will bring about what he said. And with that, the doubling dream, um, it was going to happen soon. He will bring it to happen and it will occur. And it's interesting that in Pharaoh's dreams, there, there were two of the cows, the seven years of, of plenty and the seven years of famine and then of the corn and seven and seven. This will happen. God has determined it will take place. And you know, we said early on this, um, in this particular program that as we look at the life of Joseph, we have seen, as it were, four, four acts unfolding. And there are many scenes within each act. And so just looking at the beginning in that act one that we looked at last week in part one of God's goodness, from a coat of many colors, Joseph was thrown into a pit, and then he was sold by those 10 older, jealous brothers, and the Ishmaelites carried him off to Egypt. Once he arrived in Egypt, he was put on the sail block to be a servant, to be a slave, and Potiphar bought him there, purchased him, and took him home. As he served in Potiphar's house, he proved himself to be a faithful servant, and God brought him favor in the sight, in the eyes of Potiphar. We read over and over several times, Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph. And again, we see in 21, the Lord was with Joseph. However, in Potiphar's house, his wife, His wife laid a trap for Joseph. She tried to trap him into sexual immorality. And then when he fled her room, she lied to her husband and she had him thrown into prison. Potiphar was angry. He was upset and she knew that she could get rid of this man who would not do what she bid him to do. And so Potiphar had Joseph thrown into the Egyptian prison. But God's not done. God still is working behind the scenes because Joseph found favor with the keeper of the prison. Joseph is elevated there. Um, Genesis thirty nine twenty one says this, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And I love that term, steadfast love. That That's the Hebrew word chesed. And it's God's loyal, his covenant keeping, his steadfast love. He makes promises. And when God makes a promise, he will bring it to pass. And and the reason is given just two verses later, because the Lord was with him, Joseph. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. And with the, the two servants that are put in prison and Joseph interpreting their dreams and the one being restored and the other being hanged, Joseph continues to languish in prison for two more years until Pharaoh is troubled by his dreams. And Pharaoh's cupbearer remembers Joseph and he's brought before Pharaoh to tell the, the dreams seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. 
Well, we've looked at Abraham who walked with God in obedience and God credited to him as righteousness. Jacob's journey has been one that we saw was filled with fear running away from his brother after he'd plotted to deceive and steal the blessing from Esau. And Joseph's journey was forced upon him as his brothers despised him and sold him into slavery. Each of these journeys has looked very different. However, God was sovereignly directing the details in the life of each one of these men. You know, we have a faithful God, even when we can't see him working in the midst of the storms, in the midst of sickness, walking in a dark valley, even if you're sitting in a prison. As we continue on this journey of life, it is our sincere prayer that you will continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.